Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back after quite a long hiatus off of the air here on Turbulence. I'm good to be back with my partner, George Shalloway. I am Jack White, and it is it is February 25th here in the DMV. And George, the hot topic right now in sports is not a good one. Just yesterday, Tiger Woods was announced that he got into a car wreck in down, out in California, and it is perceived that he is okay and he's awake and recovering in the hospital. But, George, how did you react when you saw this, and how do you think the rest of the sports world's reacting? Well, I reacted like everyone else was, is this real? Because it, it gave me a lot of reminiscence of with Kobe Bryant's tragedy last year, both in California, both big-name celebrities who were both athletes that suffered – horrible fluke accidents and um it's really sad because well the good news is there were no one else that was involved so it wasn't a multi-car crash it was just a one-car crash but just unfortunate that it happened to tiger especially after he just had surgery and was trying to get back into playing condition to hopefully make a return to some majors this year whether it would be the masters or the pga or the u.s open but it looks like he'll be taking a, a long hiatus and we don't know if he'll even be able to play competitively again and that, that remains the million-dollar question. Will he be able to play competitively? I know before we came on the air, George, you know, we were talking about, you know, this documentary I actually saw called Tiger. It's, you know, the story of his life and his upbringing and how he got to where he got today. You know, they, they mention all of his, his hardships he went through, the arrests, you know, the, the drugs he took and, you know, all of, you know, all of the demons he faced in life in particular, the broken leg when he won the U.S. Open and the comeback that everyone calls when he won the Masters in 2019. Now, I'm telling you, George, I mean, you know, what he did is phenomenal. I just don't think, you know, in my heart of hearts that he has the ability at his age to come back from something this brutal. I mean, the fact that they had to get him out of his car with the jaws of life, I mean, I mean, he had multiple compound fractures in both his legs. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I read a report. He broke the bone. I think it's called the tatus on the top of his right foot, which controls the bending in your foot. They do say he will be able to recover from that and be able to have full motion again. But I think the recovery period is an extended one and it's going to last a long time. And I just don't think at that point, you know, he'll be able to play on the PGA Tour again, especially with some of these young guys that are coming up really strong right now on the tour. And some of the guys that have already been established, you know, just someone that comes to mind immediately is Dustin Johnson. I mean, the, the guy's a freak and he plays the game, you know, insanely well. And, you know, he could do it in his sleep. So all the best go out to Tiger Woods and a speedy recovery. I mean, he is the face of golf um, and he forever will be for a long, long time. But, George, that kind of brings me to my next question. I was kind of talking with my parents about this the other night. Who do you think is next in line to be the face of golf if Tiger retires? Well, is the, I is believe – Even, like, even maybe to rephrase the question, is there another face? Like, can anyone replace Tiger right now? Well, no one has the amount of wins and the amount of – majors that that he has and no one's really even close i think that there have been some young guys that have been in contention recently to have kind of the new young stars you know you have bryson DeChambeau, with the long ball hitter 
We've got Colin Morikawa. Um, we've got Matthew Wolf. All these young guys that are the next generation. Victor Hovland too. Um, then we have the youngish guys who are still in the the young thirties, upper twenties. The JTs, the Jordan Spieths, the Rorys, the John Roms. All of those guys that are have been on tour for a couple of years, but still have to make a move if they want to come close to catching Tiger with any of his records, which are almost impossible to, to get. So we'll still see there's, there's still new young guys that come up every year. That's the beauty of the PGA tour. Anyone can win on any given week. So we'll see. Um, but like I said, we, we got to hope Tiger can get better and, and recover and hopefully he'll be able to, play recreationally if not competitively in the future and i know tiger woods is currently tied with legendary hall of fame golfer sam sneed for most wins ever on the tour with 82 jack nicholas is second with 67 so that really kind of sums it up for all you out there that don't know how good of a resume tiger woods has so he does maybe have some incentive to come back that is the million dollar question that none of us will know that will happen. It sure won't happen this season. All we can worry about and hope for for Tiger Woods is a speedy recovery. Now let's turn our attention to College Park. George, we're headed into March. You and I both know what that means. We were at this point last year, excited, ready to rock and roll. And all of a sudden, this national pandemic hit us right in between the eyeballs. The men were done. The women were done. Both were on their way to the March Madness tournament. Right now, the women are sitting really, really pretty with an amazing, astounding 17-2 and overall record, 9-0 and at home, and have won six in a row. While more, maybe shockingly, the men have won four in a row, back-to-back against Nebraska just recently and just took down the Rutgers Scarlet Knights up in New Jersey. And, I mean, George – what are your kind of takeaways from the last few weeks and what do you kind of expect for both squads to take into the tournament? Well, I've got a lot of takeaways, but before we get into that, I want to highlight one milestone that Daryl Morsell had, you know, the senior leader of this team. He celebrated his 100th career start, which leads me into my trivia question for you this week, my friend. Hit me with it. A hundred career starts are a lot of starts. That's, you know, four years worth of starts um, for Daryl Morsell. However, he's not the leading, he's not the number one leader in career starts for the University of Maryland Terrapins. Who is the all-time leader, the Iron Man of Maryland basketball with the most career starts? They work consecutively, but that's not completely important right now. Who has the most career starts in Maryland basketball history? Think about it. Like I said, he's the Iron Man of Maryland basketball. Um, I'm going to give you the rest of the show to think about it. And please feel free to let me know at the end of the episode when I ask it to you again. But now that you're thinking about it, I don't need to hear any guesses. I'm going to give you some, some of my takeaways from the recent four-game success that Maryland men's have been going through. And to be honest, it's not who I would have thought it would have been in the beginning of the season. I thought it would have been a big man stepping up, but instead it had been 
the small ball lineups, um, Aaron Wiggins has been playing a great basketball recently. Eric Ayala has been playing lights out. Um, and don't forget, Dante Scott has been, has been making his impact. But I want to focus also on, on Coach Turge, who's been finally, it seems, been able to motivate these guys and let them realize that the season isn't over and they're still worth playing these games. With the remaining schedule with Michigan State, Northwestern, and Penn State, all of those games are winnable games, quad one wins, which will not only solidify them in the tournament, but help them in the Big Ten tournament as well and hopefully get them in an easier seating position so they won't have to play Michigan in the second game if they were to win the first one. Because I'm telling you, Michigan looks like they're the real deal this year. Oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be really tough if the Terps have to run into either the Buckeyes or the Wolverines in the Big Ten tournament. And I think that's really, really what's going to ultimately figure out and ultimately going to place Maryland in the NCAA tournament, and that's where their seeding is going to be determined. If Maryland gets eliminated in the first or second round of the tournament, that's really, I think, going to peg them a little bit. So it's, it's going to be really important that Maryland finishes the season strong. I know this Sunday they have Michigan State on CBS. And I know, you know, the big highlight this season has been, you know, this is the first time since 1961 where Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, and Kentucky, none of them are ranked. Um, so the first time in 50 years where that has happened. So it's definitely going to be something interesting to watch, definitely something to keep an eye on. However, I do believe that all the players you just mentioned, um, George, that, that's a big factor. But I think the biggest determinant of Maryland going far uh, in the Big Ten tournament and obviously in March Madness is Mark Turgeon. Um, a lot of people, and this, this did not start this year, a lot of people have been calling, you know, for his job. A lot of student fans, a lot of, you know, hometown DMV fans, what have you. Um, but I think right now he's, you know, he's really proving himself as a coach. And I think that is what is going to determine uh, Maryland's um, future in the March Madness tournament. I think he's going to have to make some difficult decisions. He's going to have to make some intelligent decisions. And he's going to have to help his team out and put them in the best position that he can for them to win. Because nowhere in any statistic category does Maryland blow any team away um, in the NCAA this season. They're very, you know, on average, um, not, you know, really, you know, stepping over anybody. Don't lead the country in any uh, categories, not in the top 10. Um, they're just kind of flying under the radar these days. And I think what, what's key for them it starts with coaching. It starts at the top. Um, it is helpful, though, that guys like Eric Ayala and Daryl Morcel, who were expected to step up and expected to be leaders coming into this season, have answered the call and are doing so. Um, Daryl Morcel averages just above eight points, while Eric Ayala averages almost 15 points on the season. Neither of them average double-doubles, but the most important thing is they're performing on the floor. They're talking on the floor. So, I really think it's going to start with Mark Turgeon. He's going to have to set the script. He's going to have to help his players out in practice, and he's going to have to make it clear. He's going to have to make it easier on them for them to get the job done on the floor. But looking at the bracket right now, Maryland is in Region 4 on the bottom left, and the NCAA has them as a 10 seed playing Clemson in the first round. What do you say to that, George? It's time to get some redemption because that was one of the – 
most ugly games I've seen all season by Maryland. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't hit the, you know, the, what's the expression, the blind side of a barn. I mean, they couldn't hit anything. They were just, it was an ugly game to watch. They got blown out. They got laughed out of the gym, but that's not the same team anymore. They've finally started to gel and it's not just on offense, but it's really on defense. They made Rutgers look very, very uncomfortable up in the rack where Rutgers doesn't lose many games. And it was nice to see that because Maryland's, you know, blue collar up in your face defense is how they win games. They're not going to score 90 points a game. Like the women are averaging Maryland women. They're a defensive gritty team right now because they're undersized in most Big Ten games. They don't have a, a true big man that can overtake you. And it shows that, you know, we're missing Jalen Smith a little bit down low this year or Bruno Fernando or, or any of the big men that we've lost. But, you know, Galen Smith is, is making quality minutes. It's just – it's difficult when, when you're a little bit undersized as the five in the Big Ten, but he's making the most of it. And as long as Maryland plays good defense and confuses opponents on what the look is and, and can, you know, be efficient on offense and limit the turnovers, they're okay. They're, they're able to like, – like they're able to do. If they can make the tournament, a lot of people didn't even expect them to do that this year. I know we talked about that in earlier episodes of how you were – always high on this team and I was at times more skeptical than you were but right now it's looking like they have the destiny is in their own hands if they choose to to continue to play the way they've been doing well no you're absolutely right I mean Maryland is an undersized team and you know I, I think personally from my perspective I, I was very high on this team at the beginning of the season I remember I mean I had this team 20 plus wins um, and was some of that based on what I saw last year? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, no Anthony Cowan, no Jalen Smith. Those were, those were two huge pieces to the puzzle of this offense, not to mention defense. But, you know, Maryland, they are shooting over 300 from beyond the arc. That's where they thrive. That's where they beat teams. That's where they come up in the clutch. They, they, they are not a team that excels uh, that, that well, typically inside the paint gets to the free throw line very often. However, I was impressed and it was encouraging to see that that's, you know, what the game came down to in Rutgers. Um, it really came down to free throws at the very end. I mean, let alone um, Daryl Morcel made five free throws. Andrew, Aaron Wiggins, pardon me, made five. And Hakeem Hart made two. And seven of them were made at the very end of the game in the second half. So it – it's nice to see that they're trending at the right time um, and things are starting to click. But my, my big concern still is what Maryland typically, you know, they typically do. They don't, they don't thrive and they don't come up big when they need to. And this is the time of season when things need to be, you know, things need to be gelling together when you're on the court, when you're off the court, when you're in practice, especially during a time like COVID, where just, you know, life is just, it's harder than it should be. So, I mean, I, I really do believe that this team can do special things in the tournament. Um, I just think it all starts with these final three games against Michigan State, Northwestern, and Penn State. I definitely think Northwestern will be the toughest of the three. 
Michigan State's never easy, big rival game. Um, but I do think uh, they will win two of the three, probably end the season with 15 wins, um, which is not bad, which is not terrible, especially the first season without uh, Sticks and Cowan. So it's definitely going to be exciting to see, though. I'm excited for the Big Ten tournament, George, because I think that's really where you're going to see where Maryland stands headed into the tournament. I really, I really do believe. And it's going to be sad. It will be sad if they, if they get booted out uh, at the very beginning. Because um, not, only, not only will that tell us fans um, that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the elite of the elite and belong on the top, that could diminish their chances of even making the tournament. So it's definitely going to be something interesting to see. But, you know, right now I really want to turn the page to the uh, women's basketball, Maryland Terps, because things talk about gelling together. Things couldn't be going better for that team right now. I mean, George, I mean, since we last talked, I mean, things that have happened. I mean, Brenda Freeze earning her 500th win. Um, the team has the most points, averaging 92.4 points um, a game. That leads the country. Uh, Katie Benson broke the program record for three-pointers, made in a game with nine against Iowa. I mean, the team is just absolutely clicking. And not to mention something that you, you know, threw at me before the show, Angel Reese is now back in action when none of us thought she would be this season. Some of us were expecting she would hopefully make an appearance uh, in NCAA March Madness. However, Coach Freeze, the doctors, everyone says she is okay and she is good to go. And she had a pretty, pretty good game against Iowa in her debut back in her freshman season. I mean, George, the team, the team is 17 and two and they've won their last six. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really don't, I mean, what do you think? I mean, what, what is your take from this team? Well, they're really exciting to watch. It's a lot of offense and it kind of looks like an NBA game because all the shots that they're taking from the perimeter are just going in and it, it doesn't really look real. It looks kind of like a video game, to be honest with you, because, I mean, in the game uh, on Tuesday against um, Iowa, Katie Benson went 9 of 10 from 3. <laughs> it was crazy, you know? And um, they're just fun to watch. The team has a lot of good chemistry, which is something that I'm a little bit impressed with, because if you think about it, Katie Benson's a transfer. Chloe Bibby's a transfer. Even though Mimi Collins wasn't a transfer last year, she wasn't able to play due to transferring uh, from Tennessee. So right there, three of their players that, that, that play significant minutes weren't able to all play together last year. And they're clicking very well, a lot of assists. The team's not playing selfishly. They're playing as a team, which is really important. And I'm telling you, that was an anomaly when they lost to Ohio State uh, you know, seven games ago or six games ago or what have you, because they, they just looked tired that game. They looked out of focus, out of sync. But I'm telling you, if we get to run into them again in the Big Ten tournament, it's going to be a different, a different experience. We beat them last year in the Big Ten tournament. I expect to do the same if we run into them, because this team right now is looking like a Final Four team. I'm telling you, they look really, really good. I mean, they look, championship ca they, they look like a championship caliber team. I don't see – any team out there that could stand in the way. And there's no doubt it's not going to be an easy run. 
I mean, Maryland doesn't have the opportunity during the regular season to play, you know, um, uh, UConn or Stanford or some of the, some of those teams like South Carolina, some of those teams, which is unfortunate because I, I think that would, that would be some pretty good basketball, but I really do believe not a lot of standing in their way. You're right, George, last year they were able to beat Ohio state. They looked a little lethargic in that game, but only lost by two points on the road. Uh, the team is clicking. They're staying healthy. Uh, Brenda freeze is just doing her hall of fame thing. You know, just staying consistent, keeping her players um, in the right mindset. Um, the players have done a fantastic job all season long. Um, very impressive handling COVID, staying safe, um, staying healthy. None of them have had to miss games due to COVID. Um, so it's really, it's really going to be interesting down the stretch here. I mean, they have a, they have a couple, a couple uh, uh, good games at the conclusion of the season here with Purdue, Northwestern, and Penn State. Um, there's no doubt that I think uh, Northwestern will be a good one on ESPN2 uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, definitely going to be tough, but I think the other two are winnable. But this season, George, alone, Maryland has scored over 100 points in five games. All those games, they have won. Um, I, the the team is just entertaining to watch. It's a team that you don't know what you're going to get on a night or a game-by-game -game basis, I should say. Um, and I mean that in, a, in the, the best way possible. They are just so entertaining. There's talent up and down the roster. The depth is fantastic. I know Brenda Freeze has confidence in every one of her players. If, you know, Mimi Collins is tired or she's got fouls, she's got two or three fouls in the first quarter, she's got Faith Masononis to put in. There's, there's, so much, there's so much depth. You got Angel Reese now. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I can go up and down that roster. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, and it, it doesn't hurt to have Katie Benson, the number one uh, uh, three-point shooter in the country, shooting at 593, um, which leads uh, second place. I'm not who, sure who that is, but by a lot. Uh, she is having a heck of a season. Um, and that is great to see uh, a grad transfer do something like that uh, to come from Harvard, too. And she had a great career there, but definitely, definitely an entertaining club. And I, I can't wait, can't wait to see what they do. And it's funny because you're not even mentioning Ashley Alosu also, who's having a, a great sophomore campaign and Diamond Miller and the whole Diamond team. Miller, yeah, I mean, Chloe Bibby coming from uh, Mississippi State, she has Final Four experience. She's never won a championship. But, I mean, you're talking about all this leadership, this youth. It, it, the balance is tremendous. And there was a lot of concern. There was. There was a lot of questions uh, to be answered in the offseason. How would this team uh, respond to losing? Uh, some seniors last year and I, I mean George they haven't they haven't missed the bell they have answered the call and I think I give a lot of credit to the entire team but I give a lot of credit to the sophomore class um, they they did a really nice job in working hard in the offseason not to mention they had they they got this pandemic thrown their way right in between the eyes unexpectedly um, but they did a nice job. They, they were four of them, Diamond Miller, Ashley Owosu, Faith Macionis, and, um, excuse me, Mimi Collins. All four of them did a phenomenal job, uh, and they were complimented by the rest of their teammates. And they have all uh, gelled together 
very, very well uh, with the experience of people like Katie Benson and Chloe Bibby and the youth of the four young ladies that I just mentioned. So I hope the Terps continue to thrive. I'm sure they will. I expect nothing less. I'm sure Brenda Freeze expects nothing less. I'm sure the players expect nothing less. And I'm sure they're very excited, as are the men, uh, the men basketball team from Maryland, to get to the Big Ten tournament. Because I know, I know we are excited as fans, for sure, to see our Terps, you know, compete, go far. Can they get to a Final Four? I mean, we'll see, because I, I sure as heck am looking forward to getting that opportunity to watch them as a fan. But, George, I mean, leaving the court onto the field, Maryland has one of the best, if not the best. I, you know, I could get challenged. You know, a lot of people could come at me hard on Twitter after this, after I say this. The best lacrosse team in the country. And it's, it's been like that for a consistent basis year after year after year. I mean, they, they, they go the distance all the time. Why is that? Well, as you said, Maryland's a powerhouse. We're, we're a dynasty of, of a lacrosse school. And we finally were able to break through again in 2017 when both the men and women won national championships in lacrosse up in Gillette Stadium, up where the New England Patriots play. So the team finally was able to get back into the championship circle from then. And with the move to the Big Ten, Maryland, again, has been dominating there too. Maryland just secured the first win of the season for the men's team last week. The Terps beat the Wolverines at home. It was kind of funny because the players were wearing shorts and you could see the snow on the, on the side of the field at Capital One, but that's what happens when you're playing, you know, February lacrosse in Maryland. It can, it can look a little funny sometimes. And it was really good to see the Terps, you know, they won, uh, you know, it was a pretty, you know, handed 20 to nine victory, but it was really good to see Jared Bernhardt. Uh, he came back for, for his senior year after the COVID. He, he transferred out then came back in time and he put up, you know, two goals and one of the goals was assisted from senior transfer from Colgate Griffin Brown, who's just adding to the already good uh, team and the offense that we've got. Uh, we've got a lot of face-off wins. Justin Shockey played well there uh, in the face-off circle. And this team is looking prized and ready to go up tomorrow to State College and, and take on the number 13 Penn State Nittany Lions, who are also a very strong lacrosse team and, and have been for, for the past recent years. I remember going to games and Maryland. They had Maryland's number a few years in a row. So so this is going to be a big game up there tomorrow in Happy Valley. And I know, you know, Maryland lacrosse won't be the same entirely this year due to the pandemic. But, George, what players do you expect to step up this year into more of a leadership role uh, into helping this Maryland team um, get where they're used to being, you know, in a championship game? Uh, well, like I mentioned, I, I think that Jared Bernhardt's going to have to do that. He was a preseason All-American uh, along with a couple others on the team, but but he's kind of the, the leader of this team. And he came back for a reason, and that reason wasn't just to play one more year of Big Ten lacrosse. It was to play a, another year of Big Ten lacrosse at a very high level, win himself a Big Ten championship and hopefully a national championship to go along with that. So I, I expect him to, to be one to watch. Uh, like I also mentioned with Griffin Brown being a transfer, he's, he's from the area. He went to high school in Bethesda. He was teammates with a couple guys on the team 
uh, Justin Shockey and John Geppert. So he already knows is acquainted with a couple guys and he'll be able to, to bring another senior leadership perspective to his new team this year. And I'm looking forward to a good year in men's lacrosse. Women's lacrosse got off to a, a little bit of a more rocky start. They, they lost their opening game this season last week. So they got to get back on, on the right direction. But we've learned from the Maryland women's basketball team, they can take an early season loss and it's not the end of the world. Uh, as everyone remembers, they lost down at their tournament down in, uh, in Florida. And then they came back with a vengeance and won, you know, they won out, they, they lost, but they won that tournament. Then they won the rest of their games and they're only, you know, have they're as we said earlier, 17 and two. So their early season blip shouldn't be anything to really worry about, at least in, in my opinion. And, and they should be getting back at it again with, you know, their senior leadership too. And, and they should be another one to watch out for in big 10 women's lacrosse. And that's your Terrapin talk right there, folks. But before we head out and conclude today's episode, I have a trivia question to answer, and I have been giving it some thought. George, I got three players in mind. And if you would like to repeat the question for our viewers or audience. Sure, sure. Last week against Nebraska, Daryl Morsell celebrated his 100th career start, which is a heck of a milestone, and we're glad that he's – given the Terps 100 games plus of service. However, he's not the leading leader in career starts for the Terps. Who is the Iron Man of Maryland basketball with the most career starts as a Terrapin? Okay. I feel confident about this answer. Uh, I have two people behind him in case I am out in left field, but I want to say Anthony Cowan Jr., Sir, I am so glad you gave that answer because you finally got one correct on your first try. On your first try, so you're finally up on on the scoreboard, my friend. There we go, one for six. I'm feeling feeling good today, man. I'm 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 uplifted. I'm, I'm man. Holy moly! For those that don't know, I was o for o for five. Excuse me, coming into that trivia question, and my partner George had already sunk three. I mean, he he was already you know killing me on the stat sheet. So I'm. I'm climbing now. I'm climbing. I'm, I'm up there, but still got a lot of work to do. But I figured that. I remember, I remember the highlights of that game. I think I was watching it on the Big Ten Network, and they were um, so specifically uh, before the game when they were announcing the starting lineups when they introduced Anthony Cowan. They had a whole, like, video um, on the Jumbotron. So I, I was like, it, it has to be him. I was thinking uh, Juwan Dixon or Gravis Vasquez, but I was like, no, I don't think it's them. I really, really don't. Nope, it was Anthony Cowan, and he got a, a, some recognition from the Iron Man of baseball. Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. sent him a little message that they also showed, I remember, and, and everything, who we saw at a game a couple of years ago, if you remember that. Oh, man, that was, that was awesome. I, it, it's funny, I remember when we were at that game, and we saw him kind of walking on the court, and he looked familiar. The guy looked familiar, and I was like, I know this guy. And for some reason, just my brain was telling me to kind of lean forward, see if you can see who this guy is. And then I saw the bald head and I was like, nah, this can't be, this can't, no, that's too good to be true. Then I stood up and I was like, holy moly, it's Cal Ripken Jr. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I was, and then you, me and your brother, Eric, we, you know, we decided like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we got to go get a picture. We got to go. And uh, folks, 
happy to report we did get that picture and Cal Ripken Jr. is a very nice man. He was very kind and generous to stay a little bit after the game to get a quick photo with the three boys. Well, that's correct. It was, it was an awesome experience to meet him. And he's the Iron Man of baseball. And Anthony Cowan Jr. is the Iron Man of Maryland basketball. You got that right. So, folks, thank you for listening in to this week's episode of Turbulence. We will be back next Thursday with all your latest Terrapin news and more to come in the professional world as well. For Jack White alongside George Shalloway, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.